got your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and uh, we've been in a series on the armor of God. And Pastor has done a great job of breaking these passages of Scripture out so far and helping us to be aware that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I'm in a war, whether I like it or not. Uh, there's a war going on, and every soldier who is connected to a platoon, who is connected to a group, right, that has an assignment, every one of them, they have to have the proper armor. They got to have the proper gear to clothe themselves with. They need to be aware of what their weapons are for the battle. They also have to be aware and be knowledgeable of who their enemy is and what are his tactics and strategy because God gives us a strategy not only to fight in the battle, but to win the battle. It's no fun to fight and lose. That deserved a better amen. That was better preaching than you're saying amen. I can tell you that right now. Uh, nobody wants to go into a battle. I mean, can you imagine the people are going to line up today, you know, they're going to play football. If you're, I don't know if you're aware of that, but in America, the NFL, uh, those of you watching online, I'm sure you know how to use a television or, you know, you may be watching the NFL today. And, you know, teams are going to line up. I don't think anybody's leaving the locker room this morning going, whoo can't wait to get beat. I don't think it's happening, right? Even if they think they're going to, they're not, you know, they're, they're going to be optimistic. They want to have an optimistic approach. And they know there's going to be a battle that's going to take place. Folks, you and I as followers of Christ are in that battle. And we are called to put on that armor. So let's take a minute and let's, again, read these passages that Pastor has been reading. It's really been the foundation of this series. Let's just look at it again. And may the Lord anoint our ears to hear his voice as we open up the bread of life. May the Lord touch our eyes today to see what he wants to make known to us in these verses of Scripture because... To be knowledgeable of them and not to practice them would be a successful scheme of the enemy. Be knowledgeable, just don't practice it. God doesn't want us to be knowledgeable of it alone. He wants us to be knowledgeable of it for a reason, so that we actually will practice it. And you'll notice the terminology here that Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about the follower of Christ, the soldier in his army, the believer, they're the one that has to put the armor on. I can't put this armor on you. I got to put mine on. And we all share this same armor, but I got to put it on. And if I don't put it on, I will be vulnerable in this battle. But that's the strategy. When I put it on, knowing it's from the Lord and I'm clothed with him, there is a victory that is assured. Let's read it. Notice. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we wrestle, or we fight, not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, because this battle's going on, notice, Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Notice, the armor's there to be able to resist. He's going to attack, but if I have that armor on, I can resist him in that time of temptation or attack. 
Then, after the battle, you will be able to stand firm. Notice, stand firm. Stand your ground. Doing what? Put on the belt of truth. Put on the body armor of God's righteousness, or as one says, the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Interesting, right? Today, let's take a look at the importance of our feet being properly prepared or, let's say, fitted for this battle. Because we need to know what shoes we're supposed to wear for this battle because as you are aware shoes are necessary depending on what the occasion is it's going to help you maneuver or bring you stability on that ground that you're in and here's what the scripture says in Ephesians 6:15 for shoes put on peace that comes from the good news so that notice you will be fully prepared if you have on your breastplate and you've got your belt on and you have other pieces of armor on, but you're on unstable ground and you've not fastened, that's why he said, because of this, you'll be fully prepared. You need to have the right footing to prepare you for this ground that you're going to walk on. And notice he says that the shoes are the gospel of peace. One translation says, be prepared, prepare your feet with the gospel of peace. Isn't that an interesting dynamic? Put on the gospel of peace as a part of your armor for your footing, knowing that you're in a hostile spiritual war. Now let it sink in for a minute. I'm in a hostile spiritual war. I'm going to have to be navigating. And he tells me for my footing, what's important to be able to gain stability is I've got to have, I've got to fit my feet for this journey and for this fight with something called the gospel of peace. Now, why is that? We're going to talk about that, the gospel of peace. But before I get into that, let me give you an example of why the right footing is necessary. Think about it. Would you go like on a hike and wear sandals? It could be a really difficult time, right? cause you to slip and fall. Uh, would you wear dress shoes for a 5K? Ladies, high heels for a 5K? I mean, even my wife doesn't wear high heels for a 5K. I mean, she wears high heels to do landscaping, but she doesn't, at least when we've done 5Ks, she's got sneakers on, right? You got to have the right footing because it'll cause you to slip up or you'll lose your footing. You don't wear flip-flops in a football game or a baseball game. Now, they're all good footing, but they have to be the right footing for the right environment. And in this war, God said, make sure your feet are prepared with the gospel of peace. Why is that? Because your fight and your war, as he said here, is not with other people. It's not with God. Who is it with? It is with the enemy, the devil. 
But this enemy, strategically, what does he primarily do? He goes, he lies, and he lies to your mind. You see, every one of us are on a journey in life. As a married couple, you're on a journey. Our church is on a journey, and in this journey, we are going to encounter negative influences, worldly philosophies that are both unbiblical and unsound. And if on this war, we are not familiar with what the gospel of peace brings to us, we will then, in this war, have to fight our minds, because that's where the battle is, with being aware of, does God really love me? Because people will look at their circumstances and question, does God love me? Because if he did, this wouldn't be happening. Hmm. What's that fight? It disturbs your peace. Something could come up and you may mess up and do something that you know, gosh, you know what, I'm really wrestling with this. And then you start to think, hmm, you know, when I clean myself up, then I'll get back into reading the Bible. You know, when, I, when, when I feel like I've, I've, I've done a little better, then I'll start going back to church. You see, and when that happens, the enemy strategically has won. Why is that? Because your feet in this battle on the journey you don't want to be wearing flip-flops in a football game. Your footing, you're going to slip up, and that's the devil's strategy. Get you to slip up, but where? Mentally. And here's one of the number one areas that the devil trips up both believers and those that don't know Christ, and that is they believe they have to either live better or feel better to have peace with God. Neither one are true neither one. The scripture tells us, and let's look at it. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, therefore we have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God, notice, because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. What is Paul trying to say about this armor? He's trying to help us with this. Peace with God doesn't come because you live perfect. You're a human and you're going to make mistakes. Peace with God doesn't come because your circumstances around you are perfect. They're not going to be. Peace with God doesn't happen because everybody likes you. They're not going to. But your battle's not with them. Peace with God doesn't come because you have an emotional euphoria. This feeling that, ah, oh, now I know I really have peace with God. While I would love for you to have a better emotional experience, be careful. It can be deceptive. Peace with God comes because of something Jesus did. And as a result of that, God is extending that peace to you and I. I mean, think about it. Twelve times when Paul was writing epistles, whether it was to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, the, the Thessalonians, whether he was writing to Timothy or Titus or to and the Romans. Twelve times Paul says this. Notice if you would. And I've got it there. It's a, uh, I'll just give you one. Ephesians 1 verse 2. But it's the same. He uses this same phrase 12 different, 11 other times outside of this. With his introduction, he says this, grace to you and peace from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
What is God trying to communicate to us that on our journey in this life, knowing there's a spiritual war going on, make sure you got your right footing together because if you don't, you're going to get unstable and you'll get tripped up. And when you do, you won't be able to fight successfully because primarily this fight, most of it is happening in your mind. It's the attacks that come against you. But what is that primary attack? It's the insecurity that God really doesn't love you like he says. Do I really believe that he cares about me? Because if he does, why is this happening? And you see, if you're unstable in that arena, your journey in life, you will impact your children with that, your spouse with that. If you lead a department in the church, if you're a leader, it will show up in your conversation. See, it's not giving strength to people. It's actually feeding the insecurity and fear of does God really care for me? Does God really love me? Or I'm not, you know, I, I got to do better things because when I start doing better things, all these things will change. And, and then God will really love me. Where did we ever get that idea? Because it didn't come from the New Testament, but it does come from an enemy. And that enemy will say, now God doesn't really love you. Or you don't really love God. You're really not right with God. Because if you were, you wouldn't think that way and you wouldn't do that. Oh, and he sowed the thought in your mind. See, we got to stabilize our maneuvering to understand that I've got peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did. That war about sin has been fought on the cross of Calvary and the blood was accepted by God as the payment for your and my sin. And remember, Jesus went to the cross because he saw your worst day. Not because he saw your best day. His love for you was at your most wretched season, even if you spoke against him, cursed and used his name in vain, whatever you did. He loved you that much that he went and died for you because he saw your worst day. The devil does not want us to know that message. That is the gospel of peace. Peace has come with God. He's not your enemy. He's not your adversary. He's not even angry at you. He's not sitting up in heaven with a two-by-four wanting to clock you over the head every time you say something wrong or do something wrong. He knows you've got a carnal mind and a fleshly nature that's weak. And he knows that without his son Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, you don't have the ability to change yourself. But with Christ in you, you can do all things. So the emphasis has to be on Christ and not on ourselves but the enemy wants to turn the emphasis on you and not on Christ why because Christ is the victor he's already won this fight you're wearing his armor meaning God's armor, Christ's armor this is how we navigate in there so let's talk about it there's three arenas that I want to bring to your attention that we need to be aware of our footing with the gospel of peace and the first one is on your personal journey your personal journey Every single day that you wake up, when you came here to church today, you're on a journey in life. You've got dreams, you've got aspirations, you've got things that God has put in your heart. But there's also a real enemy that wants to attack your mind, get you disconnected from the church and from the body of Christ, cause you to wonder and question, does God really care for you? Try to, you know, the enemy wants to deepen the insecurity that's within you to cause you to make wrong decisions and then feel bad about it and then avoid God when God has said all along, I'm not your adversary. There's, we don't have a problem, you and me. The problem that may exist is an enemy that's telling you I don't love you and I don't care. Are you kidding me? My blood was shed for you on your worst day. Don't you see that? I've said, come to me. 
I'm your helper. I am with you when you miss it. Remember, he was okay with that because he's the one that thought the plan up, not you. We've got to be conscious of that. And again, the gospel of peace is my footing that no matter what's going on, I got the right footing to stabilize me to know how to maneuver that even when I've screwed up, even when I've messed up, I'm able to address that and say, Father, thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. You saw this day before I did. I hate that that happened. But God, thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy and to be able to attack that enemy in your... And devil, I'm not going to cave in to these thoughts that try to tell me God doesn't love me. I know he does. That try to breed this insecurity or even look at God as my adversary or enemy. No, I know who my adversary is and I'm putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. I have peace with God whether I feel like it at this moment or not. I have peace with God. I'm welcomed in his family and I have a right to approach him even on my worst day when I've messed up. I have a right to approach his throne because grace is available for me. Are we aware of that? The devil doesn't want us to be aware of that on this journey. That's the first place, see? So I'm going to just kind of move transition, but I want to give you this just as a thought. If truly you believe that God has forgiven you through Jesus Christ, you owe it to yourself to forgive yourself. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad, quote, the sin was, no matter how disappointed you were that you did it, you owe it to yourself. Because if you don't, what you're saying is that the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. And it is enough. Peace with God has come only through what Jesus Christ has done. God is not your adversary. He is not angry with you. And he is not looking down to try to teach you some lesson through your pain. That's not it. He's your helper. And he knows this warfare is going on. And he wants you to know there is peace from heaven that is being extended to you every moment on your journey, every day on your journey, whether you emotionally feel that way or not, it's there. You've got to be aware of it and be able to fasten your feet on this journey with it and be thankful for that peace that God has given to you. Another thing, where else do we need to be aware of on this journey? Number two, I need to be aware of it because other people are on this journey. And my life is going to intersect with those other people. And what kind of an influence, what kind of encouragement do I give other people? Because here's the reality. It happens with every one of us that are in this room, including myself. Every single one of us are encountering some form of resistance or battle with our enemy, the devil, somewhere. Everybody. Everybody. So it isn't appropriate for us as followers of Christ to think that we got it all together or I'm only interested in me and that God wouldn't use even my struggles and what I've learned to help somebody else. He would. You see, my life is going to intersect with a variety of people. It's going to intersect with children. It's going to intersect with leaders. It's going to intersect with coworkers. It's going to intersect with business professionals. It's going to intersect with men, with women. It's going to intersect with different age brackets. You see, my life and journey is going to intersect with them. Am I aware that those very people may also need help on this battle and in this battle? Can I help fasten those shoes for them 
Get them strong where I'm encouraging them that God loves them and that he's not their enemy and that I'm going to pray with you. Our, is our small groups and our meetings, does it revolve around pointing a finger to try to expose where the wrongs are being committed? Or am I trying to help people move into a closer intimacy with Christ? You see, not only do I need it for my life, but peace with God has come to every one of you. Am I aware, are you aware, that even an intersection in the hall, in the restroom, in a children's ministry, in a car on the way home, when you get home tomorrow and this week, when you're in your workplace, in your cube, wherever it may be, even working from home and you're on a call, whether it's a phone call, Zoom call, am I aware that I may have the opportunity to be used as an instrument by God to help somebody else know that there's peace with God? He's not angry with you. He's not your adversary, and he's not your enemy. And am I intentional to come alongside them to invest love, to invest time, maybe even invest the sharing of God's word to help them see what they're not seeing because they're battling the same enemy that you and I are. So I not just be aware of for myself on my journey, but I got to be aware because I could be a help to other people on their journey. And then let, let, let me show it to you. If you look, let's use Jesus as an example here because it's, he's a great example. I want to look at Mark chapter 4, verse 39 and 40. Let me set the stage for this, though. Remember, Jesus said we're going to the other side. So, so you got disciples in a boat with Jesus going to the other side. Now, they're not exactly sure what they're going to get met by on the other side. They're just with Jesus and excited. Hoo-hoo, man, we're in the boat. We're with Jesus. We're going to the other side. Well, remember, halfway to the other side, a big storm arises, and Jesus is asleep at the back of the boat. And here's what they say. They come to Jesus and it says this in Mark 4, 39 and 40. They asked him, Master, which is not, that's 38. Master, don't you care for us? Don't you care that we're going to perish? Here's how Jesus wakes up and responds. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, be, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? What was he referring to? Guys. I said, we're going to go to the other side. I'm with you. Did you all of a sudden forget? I was resting. What, did, did, did you really think that the storm was going to swallow you up? The answer is yes, they did. They did. They wouldn't have woke them up the way that they did, right? Being woken up to say, don't you care that we perish is a little different than, uh, Master, just want to make sure you're okay. There is a storm and just want to make sure that everything's okay. A little different, right? That's not how they woke Jesus up. They questioned his love for them on their journey to the other side. Jesus noticed that just like we. There are people around us that we may hear it. They question God's love. They're insecure. They're feeling bad about themselves. And they really think like they got to quote better themselves or clean themselves up before God accepts them. No, God has accepted you simply because of the sacrifice of his son. What he wants to know is have you accepted that as well? And if you have, journey closer with him. Trust him. Trust his love. He's going to get you to the other side of your journey. He's there with you. I'm going to give you another example as we use Jesus. This is John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. When the disciples 
They were afraid now. This is literally right after Jesus has risen from the dead. Mary sees him, right? And, and Jesus says, you can't touch me yet. I haven't yet ascended, but go to your brethren and tell them. Well, she goes to the brethren, and they're meeting, hiding from the Jewish people because they just killed Jesus, and these followers of Christ were identified as that, followers of Christ. So what are they doing? They're in a room not worshiping. They're in a room not praying. They're in a room frightened. Notice John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. Then the same day at evening, meaning when he met Mary Magdalene, right? She goes, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled. Notice why were they assembled? For fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst, and notice what he said to them. Peace be with you. Now, they're nervous. They're scared. And the last thing they're expecting is for Jesus to show up in their midst. Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. Notice, he says, and when he had said this, he showed them, notice, his hands and his feet, his hands and his side. What did he show them? He was trying to say, the redemptive work, what I promised, what I said I was going to do, guys, I did it. I did it. I did it. Peace with God. What? Through Jesus Christ. Not because you're so good. That doesn't mean you live a debauched life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is no matter what good means to you, the only perfect one is Christ. Even as leaders, I talked with a pastor the other day with some of his staff. I had a conference call. And one of the things is their church is growing. And that's what he was saying is that we're growing and there's more people coming, which means more needs, which means more opportunities and things of that nature. But we're growing. And he said, you know, we're feeling a little stretched, which we're feeling a little insecure. I don't know that we have what it takes to, to continue to allow this like growth to happen. What, what do we do? And I assured him, I said, you're actually exactly where you should be. If that ever goes away from you, that you feel you got it all together and you don't ever need to grow, that's a dangerous time. But when you're looking at a capacity and you're looking at the, the growth of the church and the growth of your leaders and leaders, you know, all relating to each other and, and they're talking a little different than what they did a year ago or two years ago. And, and some folks are feeling insecure. It's okay. They're only insecure because they're afraid of the future. What will it bring? Will we make a mistake? And my encouragement to both that pastor and his leaders, you're going to make a ton of mistakes on this journey, and there's never going to be a time in your life when you lead if you're 85 years old, and then Jesus takes you, you will still make mistakes in this life. You're never going to be perfect. That's not your goal. Your goal is to be like Christ. He's the only perfect one. Let him work through you, and whatever challenge you're facing as a team, know if God brought the growth He's also there with you in this challenge. You will be able to get through it and more lives will be reached. Well, it was a wonderful time and they were all so thankful. My point bringing it out is they were insecure at the beginning of the call, thinking that we're not prepared for this. Well, anytime God blesses you with something beyond where you are right now, hopefully you will feel a little unprepared. That's what growth is all about. We stretch and we grow, but then when we get there, the next thing happens. These disciples, Jesus is trying to show them and let them know, hey, remember the last three and a half years, the things I said about myself? Like, I actually did them. Woohoo! And here I am. And, and, and notice what he goes on to say. After he shows them that, notice what happens, because this is going to move into our third point. 
he says, now, he said to them again, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. And then he said to them, and breathed, or after he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What just happened? Twice Jesus was trying to tell them, guys, look, there's peace, peace, man. There's peace with God. That's what I came to do. Now, receive the call that I have for you on the other side of the cross. Now I'm risen. You, you believers, your followers, go tell other people this message. Our third arena that we must address. First, our own journey. Do I know that there's really peace with God? And as I'm walking this journey, no matter what happens, good, bad, or ugly, will I repent and humble myself knowing I have that right to do that because God's embraced me? He's not waiting for me to clean myself up. He's not waiting for me to be better. He knows that I am the way that I am and what I've done, and he knew it before you did. But he wants you to know that he's there to help you. Don't run from him. Run to him. There's peace. God's not angry with you. He's not your adversary, and he's not your enemy. He actually is your friend and your father. Even when he gives you a corrective word, it's not to hurt you. It's to help you. There's peace with God. Second, on my journey in life, I'll encounter others. Am I willing to be used as an instrument that can help encourage them with the awareness that there's peace with God through Jesus Christ? Because they're fighting those same mental battles that we all are. I got to be better. I got to clean myself up. God doesn't love me. You know, and if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't have said that or wouldn't have done. He knows those battles that go on. And we want to help others. And the third thing is for a ministry assignment. Notice, if you would, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes this, starting at verse 17 through verse 20, and he says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, or the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here, and all of this, this new spirit, this new creation is from God. Notice, what has God done? Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Notice, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Interesting. The word reconciliation or reconcile means to be restored to friendship, to be restored in a harmonious relationship. It also means to settle and resolve the differences that have separated. What does this mean? God is saying, I realized sin was what separated us. So I didn't deal with you, I dealt with the sin. The sin was, I know where it came from, and therefore, the shed blood of Jesus Christ cleansed us from sin, past, present, future. It's the cleansing agent. So now I've addressed or settled that issue. It's the blood of Jesus. Now, here's where the friendship comes. Just accept it. Just accept that. As a saint of God, accept it. That blood is still active right now. That when you miss it, we don't keep to want to keep you know, piling up on the mistakes, but realize God's aware of it, and he's reaching out to you and say, hey, don't walk farther away from me. Walk closer with me. 
I'll help you. But to those that don't know Christ, we have a ministry assignment as followers of Christ, as soldiers in Christ's army in this platoon called Grow Church. God has said to us, there's a community out here. There are people out here who are good people. Some of them, they may not be so good people, but they're people that Jesus shed his blood for. Would you be an ambassador of mine? Would you be a soldier of mine and realize that part of these shoes are not just for your journey alone? It isn't just to help an individual. What about your community? There's a region. How about impacting them with the message that I'm not mad at them? Because you don't know the world. You don't know what their journey looks like, but I can assure you if they're journeying in this life, they're listening to a lot of the unsound, unbiblical philosophies that are being propagated today. And if they start believing that, they may even turn against God and go, well, how could God be so? I can't believe that God really cared these things wouldn't happen. They're ignorant and they're naive. They don't know. And that's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Why are their feet beautiful? Because on their journey, they're literally invading the enemy's camp and sharing the gospel of peace, which causes the hearts of men and women to turn to God. So let's close with this. What are the dynamics of this battle, really? I'm going to give them to you. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write these down. Number one, the dynamics of these battles is this. The battle is over territory. All battles are over territory, financial territory, physical plots of land, right? Political territory. What's the territory that this battle is really over? The hearts and minds of people. The devil is seeking to capture their thoughts to get them to align with a world's philosophy that's against God. God's trying to capture their hearts and their thoughts to align with his goodness and graciousness, not only to receive his son, but to be sharers of the message of reconciliation to others so that more people could come into the kingdom. The fight is over the hearts and minds of people. Number two, the battle is over an assignment. An assignment? Yeah. If we've got a spiritual assignment to share this ministry of reconciliation with God, that God's not angry with them, there's peace with God through Jesus Christ, accept what Jesus did. You don't have to be the preacher. You don't even have to be an ordained minister. All you got to do is share Christ's love for you. How did you come to know him? Share that story of how Jesus helped you, how you saw forgiveness in Christ and what it meant to you, your marriage or your family. But if the devil can distract us and fight against this assignment and get us to become selfish, self-centered, I don't have the time, I'm not the preacher, you know, I got other things going on, or let's put it, can I say it this way, the priorities of life supersede the priority of Christ's assignment on our life, then all of a sudden, as long as you just have it, but don't share it with anybody else. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm not trying to give you a heavy reverie, but I am going to tell you, just share, just a thought. Take away from the New Testament God's call to the church to, to penetrate communities with his love and the message of Christ. Take that away. Ask yourself, from the Bible, why is the church here then? You won't find a reason. Now, we're in church here today, but for what reason? To strengthen each other, to encourage each other in what? In our walk with God and the assignment to help others find him. If that's removed, if that assignment is out of our minds and out of our hearts, do we really think we're just here for 70 and 80 years for what? 
what's the reason? What's the reason for the church? There is a reason. The church is here to penetrate our communities with the love and life-giving message of Christ, that there's peace with God. That's why we're here. So am I building myself up for my journey so that I can be useful on a spiritual assignment? And the third thing is this battle is about your future. Even though it's fought in the present, it's about your future. Let me give you three examples. Number one, remember Joseph? He was given a dream, yet his brothers tried to kill him. But his dream, what happened? The dream was from God, and that dream, many, many, many years later, brought an absolute freedom and a saving of a nation and his family. But Joseph didn't know it when he had the dream. He could only describe what the dream was. He didn't know what the value of it was. The dream was over the future, not the present. Jesus. Remember Jesus? Jesus Christ in his birth, remember? As a young child, all of a sudden, Herod gives the command, hey, any child that's under two years old, any male, kill him. What was it about? See, the battle's over the future. Why did Herod say that? Because he heard that Christ was born. What was the battle over? Not the present. Let's kill this. Let's kill this seed because of what the seed will do. Our battle that we're fighting is over your future. If you're having any kind of assault right now, you need to be thanking God to go, whew, man, my future's bright. Hallelujah. Why would the enemy try to distinguish in the present what God is working within me unless it was having not only a future impact, how about this, an eternal impact? Your life, your message, the love you share, the smile you give, the invitation to a church service may impact somebody's life for eternity. That's how I came into the kingdom. A long-haired rock and roll guitar player invited to a church service by somebody who came to Christ six months earlier who saw me in a concert setting in a city. I'm in a store. He recognizes me, knows I live in that area, and invites me to go to a church service. It was embarrassing, not anymore, I can speak freely about it. I threatened to punch him out. I said, get out of my face. What, are you kidding me? And I literally said, look at me. Really? Me go to church? I went to church. I went to that church that he invited me to. I sat in the back. I didn't want anyone to know that I was there. Do you want to know what happened to Ron that day? The gospel message penetrated my heart. The pastor gave an altar call. I did not answer the altar call for fear, but I was moved. I went home, and the next morning in my apartment, I turned on the television, and I don't watch these. I turned on the television, and you know what? There's a gospel program on television that's saying, I know your heart right now is beating, and it's time for you to receive Jesus. Fall to your knees right now in your apartment. I did. I fell to my knees. I went, and I prayed the prayer, right? And I started going to church, that little tiny church that that guy invited me to. You don't know how what you say or what you do impacts. So I'm going to encourage you when you leave today, see these devotionals right here? I'm encouraging you. Pick up one for yourself, but remember, this is not for just your journey. How about pick up one or two and over the next couple of months ask, Lord, could I share this with somebody? Could I give this to somebody that's wrestling? See, the battle is over your future. It is not 
over your present. The fight is in the present, but it's not about the present. It's about the future. It's about the assignment that we have. And it is also not just those, but the battles over territory, the hearts and minds of people. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.